Okay, and we are live. This is Boxed Up UFC. Uh, this is Dylan, and I believe this is going to be the first Slimmy List Boxed Up UFC podcast in its history. So, yeah, it's been over a year, and uh, Slimmy, you know, he's been at a wedding. Um, I'm out of town this week, so scheduling conflicts. So I'm, I'll am i be doing the recap for UFC Vegas 71, and Slimmy will be doing the preview for uh the dog man versus uh, Ricky Simone. So yeah, let's get into it. Um pretty mid card overall. I believe there was five KOs, zero subs, and the rest were decisions. And before we get into the fights, I really think that the the apex is completely outdated. Um the the whole energy just seemed a little stale. The whole production was just stale to me. I it like I'll be the first to say that I enjoyed the apex while it lasted and it was fun during COVID and even like after COVID started dying down. But now like when we have other fight nights being with crowds, it's, it, we need to, especially when it's a heavyweight main event. I just, I think the apex should be just done for, I don't know why we're still having events here. Honestly, I really, I really don't. Um. Anyway, um. sorry for being a hater. I lost like all my bets, but um, first fight of the night, Brady Houston, Batrell Dana, Dana, boxed up favorite. Brady gets the third round TKO with 39 seconds left on the clock. One of the most disgusting stoppages I've seen in my tenure of watching UFC. Um, Dana won the first two rounds, like literally, because on every judge's scorecard, it was 2018 Dana going the third round. Um, I did. I, he didn't come close to finishing Brady, but in the second he hurt him a little bit, um, yeah, he was winning the fight. Brady didn't wasn't doing anything special. Rest couldn't really get Dana to the ground that easily. And the third round, Brady kind of took Dana's back and kind of held him against the cage, and Dana looked stuck. And Brady was kind of fucking delivering five inch soft little punches to his to his face for like 20 seconds and the ref stepped in. I I think it was a bad stoppage. It I understand the point of view that Dana isn't getting out of trouble and he kept, you know, he was near soft blows to his face, but it was nothing malicious. It was nothing I like I don't know. It was I feel like he could have been taking those punches for 40 more seconds he would have been fine. And, of course, it was a new ref that – not a new ref, but a ref that I you rarely see often. I don't even know his name. And, yeah, it just kind of pissed me off. And, I mean, if you live bet Brady, you were feeling pretty good about that. I mean, never apologize for a win. He's 2-0 in the UFC now. Uh, moving on, though, that's – yeah, 2-0, Brady, he's down in the UFC. I can't wait to fade him again because – I don't think he's that good, especially on the feet. He gets rocked every time he fights. Um, Francis Marshall and William Gomez. Gomez picks up a split decision win. Speaking of live betting, at the end of the fight, William Gomez was a plus 800 live underdog. Francis Marshall was a plus 1,400 uh, favorite. And it was pretty evident this this fight didn't have much going on it was pretty evident the first two rounds were probably gomez even though there wasn't that much action it could have gone either way 
But the third round, Francis Marshall almost finished him with a choke. I thought it was over. He had his back. He had him flattened. He was going for the RNC, and William Gomez did a good job of getting out of it. And Francis needed needed that finish because I think the third round was pretty clear, clearly Marshall's because he came close to finishing Gomez. But and the first two rounds were pretty close to call. And it, yeah, it was two 29-28s for Gomez, one 29-28 for Francis Marshall. I think both these guys are pretty good, though. I'll be honest. Francis Marshall's now seven and one, and Gomez is twelve and two, I believe. And you know, Gomez is he was a decently big underdog, and he wasn't. He's, he's not a can. He looked good. Um, I mean, neither of these guys I'm you know super high on, but I think they possess some good talent, and you know they'll stick around for a while. Pretty crazy to see back to back. Like if you bet. He stand and then Gomez as a live underdog. You're rich right now. You're very rich. Moving on, uh, Muhammad Usman gets the UD against Junior Tafa. So Muhammad Usman kind of took a page out of his brother's book and just wrestle fuck Tafa the whole time. Can't blame him. Um, never apologize for a win, but. I wouldn't say this was the most exciting fight. The first round, Tafa won. Towards the end of the round, first off, also, Muhammad Usman is a fucking unit. It is every time I see, like, he looks so big in the octagon. It's fucking wild. I mean, I know he played football, but it's literally like a football player. And seeing him in, like, the small-ass compression shorts is just, yeah, he... <laughs> Doesn't look real how big he is. Anyway, um, on the feet, Muhammad Usman has kind of held Tafa against the cage for most of the first round, and then Tafa just started teeing off on him and started landing. I thought for a second, I thought he was going to get Usman out of there, but he kept throwing. You know, Usman looked kind of wobbled, and then the second and third round was pretty much the same thing where. Usman would just get him to the ground and just kind of held him there, laid on him for 10 minutes. Pretty obvious, 29-28. I mean, I'm, I'm, for Usman, similar to Brady, Usman's now 2-0 in the UFC. I can't wait to fade him again. I don't think he's good. He's super – he's <laughs> – I mean, he's huge. So, like, it's hard for – it's going to be hard for anyone to kind of handle that. But yeah, I don't think he's that good. Junior Tafa was terrible in terms of in terms of defending takedowns, but he looked good on the feet. Like I'm actually looking forward to seeing Tafa again. He looked good on the feet, and yeah, I think Muhammad came into this fight. You know, Kamaru's in his corner. I think the game plan was always just to wrestle him, hold him against the fence, lay him on lay on him on the ground, and get the decision. I mean, nothing wrong with it, but in terms of excitement factor, the first three fights, the first four fights on this card were pretty brutal in terms of entertainment factor. Yeah, uh, the he stand botched stoppage, and then the Gomez Usman decisions. Uh, none of these were really, in terms of entertainment, not nothing to go crazy about. I know Slimmy's going to talk to me about the fights he should rewatch. None of the first four fights. 
Moving on, our girl, the wagon, Norma Dumont. Unanimous decision against Carl Rosa. Not much to say here. Dumont won the first two rounds. I mean, I'm a big Dumont guy. Uh, the wagon. She looked good on the feet for the times they were striking and not holding each other up on the fence, which was most of the fight. The biggest moment of the fight, though, was when Carl Rosa knocked down Dumont in the third round. It kind of came on it. I mean, for a second, I was like, holy shit, is she going to finish her? If, if that happened, it would have been the weirdest, like, live bet UFC card of all time. But anyway, Dumont won the first two um, just by more control in the fence and better striking. And then Carl Rosa fucking knocked her in the third round. Nothing terrible. I mean, she sat her down. She sat Dumont down. Dumont recovered. And it was unanimous 29-28 for Norma. I mean, yeah, Nor- Norma's boxed up. On to the next one. Got the dub. I mean, she's, she's rattled off a few wins in a row, I believe. Um, I mean, definitely not, you know, I believe she's still ranked. Let me look, look at her record real quick. The Immortal. Oh, yeah, she's won two in a row. Her last loss. So... Since her UFC debut when she got knocked out by Megan Anderson, she's five and one. And the one loss was a split decision. So, yeah, I mean, new the wagon. She she's gonna stick around. Um, moving on. Montel Jackson with a first round KO of Ronnie Yaya. I took Yaya by submission, plus nine hundred. I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Um. Oh, also, just, just to backtrack a little bit, sorry, this is kind of weird doing a podcast by myself, but um, I keep losing track of where I'm going. But I had Dana and I had Junior Taffa, so like that'll tell you that's how my night started. Um, moving on, uh, I had Yaya by submission at plus 900. I'm, I'm always, if someone has more than 20 submissions to their professional MMA record, I'm going to bet them by submission. I don't care what the number is. And I don't want to say he came close, but there was a time where they were both on the ground and Yaya was trying something. So it was worth that, you know, it was worth being locked in for that moment. But I mean, Montel Jackson was a massive favorite and he just kind of clipped Yaya with a nice left, landed a few ground and pound shots and it was over three minutes into the fight. Um, I don't take much from this fight. Montel Jackson is pretty good. We already knew that coming in. Yaya was out for like almost two years. Yaya is probably going to retire soon. Montel Jackson will probably get less of a can next time around. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Also, the under there. So, that was nice. This was probably the most surprising, one of the most surprising uh, ends to a fight on the card. Christian Giagos knocks Ricky Glenn a minute and a half into the fight. Ricky Glenn, a fighter who he should have given more props to on the podcast last week. I didn't know he was the third longest tenured uh, lightweight still on the roster behind uh, Clay Gita and someone else. I'm forgetting. Anyway, yeah, Ricky Glenn, he's a legend in the game, and he only had, he's been in the UFC for, you know, since like 2006 or something. And... He 
has never been knocked out and he's only lost six times in his career. And Yago caught him with a left. It was a clean shot. Uh, face planted Chris, uh, Ricky Glenn. Yago, someone who's not necessarily known for uh, knocking people out like that. And someone I wasn't really high of in terms of their you know career. But I mean, Yago said after the fight, he's like, "Yeah, like I'm, I'm not turning down anything." I mean, he's not wrong. He fought Saryukian and he fought, um, the Brazilian guy that uh, fucking Islam beat. God, this is fucking brutal. I need you to let me. Um, anyway, yeah, I mean, knocked him down. That was it. I mean, there's only eleven combined strikes between the two, the entire uh fight. I'm looking up Giago's record, but yeah, I mean, good, good for Giago. I mean, he's tw- I mean, yeah, he Tio Moises he lost to lost to Saryukian. Um, but I mean, he's not the best UFC record. He's now six and six, six and six in the UFC. But I mean, if he'd have lost this fight, that's three losses in a row. So who knows? Like, and then he would have been five and seven. So I would think he would be close to getting cut at that point so huge win for Iago's nonetheless let's move on to the main main card um decent main card um first fight of the main card was for also I don't know who won fight of the night I don't know who you'd give it to honestly I guess I'm assuming it'd be this one Wells and Selensberger I'm assuming that's what one fight of the night, but I, there's no, <laughs> there isn't any fights. Well, well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Anyway, Jeremiah Wells wins a split decision against Matthew Selensberger. Really weird fight. Slimmy, I'd recommend watching this if you, if you, uh, if you haven't, um, or when you get the chance. So, play by play. Selensberger comes out, you know, also, Real quick stat about Selensberger. He's the second fighter ever with Rumble Johnson to have two knockouts in under 18 seconds. Cool stat. Anyway, Selensberger comes out in the first round, semi the Jedi, um, and he clips Wells early. Comes in hot, clips Wells, puts him down, starts landing ground and pound. Looks like Wells was out. It looked like he was out. I think he was, at least for a second. Selensberger adjusts his position to get better ground and pound or whatever, and that gave Wells enough time to grab his legs and kind of recover. And eventually that round, Wells got to the ground and basically held Selensberger there for the rest of the fight. Landed a few shots of ground and pound, nothing crazy, but basically Wells got super hurt in the first round basically got on top of Salzburg for the rest of the round. So, weird fight. There is a world where that fight gets stopped. I truly believe that. Wells looked like he was fucking done. Anyway, second round, same thing kind of happens. Salzburger fucking knocks Wells early again. Wells falls back, and he looked... Like they, I think they could have called it then, too. He looked fucking done again. Looked done. Salzburg attacks him, kind of overextends himself on the ground and pound in the follow-up strikes. And again, same thing happened. Wells gets the double leg, 
gets Selzberger on the ground and holds him the rest of the round. So the first two rounds, it's tough to really lean aside. I think from an outside perspective, it needs to be 1-1 going into the third, honestly, because I think you could give the first two rounds to Selzberger based off he had a knockdown in each round and delivered some more, you know, brutalizing shots. But Wells had control for more than half of the rounds both times, landed some ground and pound, held, you know, so I think each fighter deserves to have a round going in the third, whether it's the first or the second. I know that's not how they score fights, but I'm just saying, like, from a, you know, uh, logical perspective, ethically, I think it should have been 1-1 just in general going to the third. We'll get to the scorecards, but in the third, Wells won easily. He got him down early. I think he realized that, okay, that I just need to get him down without getting clipped, and I'll be fine. You know, gets him to the ground, holds him there. He won the third. The scorecards were weird. We got one judge giving Selensberger the first two rounds, so it was 29-28, which, like, I can get behind. And then two judges gave Wells every round. I like the Selensberger 29-28 a lot more than the Wells 30-27. I just don't know how you can give Wells two rounds back-to-back where he got knocked down in. I don't think, especially in MMA, I, I just don't think you can justify that. But I did think Wells won the fight just based off he had so much more control time. I don't think Selzberger's knockdowns were enough to really give him the fight. But again, I think a 29-28 for Selzberger is a lot better than a 30-27 for Wells. Both these guys are good. Wells, I was expect like he Wells is violent. They're both violent fighters. Selzberger is more fun, though, in my opinion, just because he, you know, he'll stand and trade. And we've seen him in there with some of the best. Not some of the best, but, you know, at least strikers like Jake Matthews, um, Chaos Williams, uh, Alex Morono. And he he's good on the feet, those power shots. Wells, you know, super entertaining. He's got some cool finishes in the UFC. But, I mean, when you've got a performance like this where you kind of lay on a guy to get a win, it – I don't know. It's it's not the box step way. It's not the box step way. Moving on. So that was one of the weirder fights of the night. Um, I picked Selensberger again, so that continues the streak of me picking the wrong side of his fights. Like it's getting it's getting bad. Um, we talked about Yasmin Lucindo on the podcast last week. She's twenty one. Cruises to a victory against Brogdon Walker. Didn't get the finish that. Uh, I thought she was going to get, but nonetheless, she looked super fucking good. Not much to say here. We pretty much called this one to a T last week on the podcast. Luciendo won every round. Brogdon Walker is not very good. She's tough. I don't know how Juliana Miller finished Brogdon Walker. That's crazy looking back. But Lucindo is only 21. She's going to be a problem. I really think she's going to contend one day because if she's – 21 looking like this on the feet right now. I mean, in four or five years, like what, what's she going to look like? Brogdon Walker. I don't think she's a UFC fighter. Um, she's 0 and 2 now. Give her one more chance. Maybe. I don't know, but. Yeah. I, I just don't know. Lucindo though. She looked great. It was a big, big, 
you know, my 350 favorite. And she proved why she was that big of a favorite. So, yeah, not much else to say. It was, I mean, it was pretty clear. just clearly, it was just a clear dominant performance by Lucindo. You know, cut up Brogdon Walker. There's blood on, there's blood on Walker's shirt. And, yeah, no, I, not much else to say. Purely domination. All right. Bobby King Green and Jared Gordon. So, this fight ended in the first round due to a head clash that hurt Gordon. Bobby Green landed some follow-up shots that knocked Gordon out cold. Looked like Bobby Green got the KO victory in the first round. On replay, we see that the knockdowns clearly caused by a clash of heads. Gordon was, you know, left defenseless after getting hurt initially. Bobby Green landed some follow-up shots. He called it, obviously. Looked at the monitor. It was very similar to the Dacus, uh Kevin Holland um, fight where that was also a no contest because of the headbutt. But, yeah, I mean, Bobby Green, for his forehead landed on Jared Gordon's temple. Fucking rocked him. And then, yeah, the follow-up shots put him out cold. It was funny, too, because I was watching on my computer and I looked to my left and see Gordon out cold and Bobby Green walking away. I, th- and I was like, oh, shit, Bobby Green knocked him. And after seeing the replay, I realized that wasn't what happened. But super unfortunate ending. Rule of no contest, as it should have been. Um, it, it it's, it's funny timing, too, with uh, the Chris Curtis fight recently that we talked about on the podcast. Um, good timing for Chris Curtis. He's got something else to, you know, talk about on Twitter. And he's got a point. I think it might be crazy take, but I think if Gassum could have gotten the finish at that moment right there, they probably would have called it a no, a no contest. You got to think, right? Because after this, a clear headbutt that caused a knockdown and a finish, you got to think that um, that would have the same effect on the Chris Curtis fight. That's different, though, because it's, you know, a decision and you can't justify or say what sway the judge's opinions. So I think it's a little different. Anyway, in terms of the Gordon-Bobby Green fight, you know, terrible for both fighters. On one hand, Jared Gordon, you got Paul Felder commentating and he's emotional because, you know, he's close to Jared Gordon. That was tough to see. Keith Peterson kind of let Bobby Green take a few more extra shots uh to Gordon's unconscious body. And I mean Peterson did do a good job of kind of assorting, you know, what happened and making sure like it was all right. Jerry Gordon though, I mean, he takes unnecessary damage, gets knocked out, you know, it looks bad. Um but I mean I guess you'll take the no contest for him, but still unfortunate. Bobby Green though does not get the win bonus. Um doesn't and he was in the press conference super mad saying give me my money i need my money and i I mean i think that's just a testament to the fact that in usc the ufc needs to get rid of the win show clause or whatever like both fighters should get it's an actual clash of heads you know that shouldn't that shouldn't be a punishment so 
understandably, he was frustrated. He was trying to say that it should have been called a win for him because uh, Jared Gordon was still there throwing up triangles or whatever. I, I disagree. I don't – the, the clash of heads was fucking huge. That that caused the knockdown. That started the whole, you know, fight to end. So disagree with King Bobby Green there, but it was an unfortunate way to end the fight. I do think the right call was made. Well done by Keith Peterson to, you know, kind of, you know, level that whole situation out. Moving on, this was, might be the most impressed award of the night. Maybe Ty with Lucindo, Jake Matthews' most impressed award. Um, Bruno Silva is back. First round knockout of Brad Tavares. Listening to us last week talk about Bruno Silva, we were super unsure what to do with him. And I'm glad I took the right side and had him by KO. Um, I mean, Brad looked good for a second. Brad Tavares is a good fighter. And they were trading, but then something something, something happened, like 45 seconds, seconds left in the fight, where Bruno Silva started to let his hands go. He started to let his hands go. He was clipping Brad, and you could kind of smell the finish coming. And... The sequence was landing a knee and then knocking him with a left flatline Brad. Few follow-up shots. Brad Tavares protested the stoppage. I think he was done. I think he was done. Bruno Silva was going off. I don't I think you gotta, you know, accept that you were probably going down a bad route where you were. I thought the Izzy Pajeda one stoppage was worse than this. And I don't even think that was a bad stoppage. So he protested. I think he was stopped in a very timely fashion. Bruno Silva letting the hands go. Flipped him. Knocked him down. Huge win for Bruno Silva. I mean, Brad Tavares, I believe he was ranked. Um, I can't be too sure. But Brad Tavares, I mean, it's a hard guy to knock down, knock out. Uh, he did it in third, three minutes, 35 seconds. And, yeah, Bruno Silva's back. It's cool to see. I mean... I, I think we're going to look back at the GM3 fight and just just wonder for years, like, what the fuck was that? Because I think Bruno Silva is actually legit and good, especially after beating. Because to this point, his all his knockouts were against, you know, Wells and fucking Jordan Wright and all these cans. And now you got a knockout over a tenured UFC guy who's, yeah, on the back end of his career, but still there. I mean, Brad Tavares looked fine for, you know, how long the fight was going. And... I really think Bruno Silva, I'm pretty high on him. I really think he could make some noise in the top 15 as long as he doesn't fight any wrestlers. I think that's probably his kryptonite, as we saw in the GM, GM3 fight. But, yeah, the GM3 Bruno Silva fight, I, I don't know what to make of that because after watching this, that makes that result seem even more weird. And after seeing GM3 get knocked out by Joe Pfeiffer last week or two weeks ago, whatever the fuck, that also makes it seem more weird. So that's going to be a result we're going to look back on in a few years from now. And it's going to seem like even weirder and weirder. So anyway, Bruno Silva, great performance. I'm assuming he got a bonus. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't look at who got bonuses or not. But yeah, that was that was, that was was pretty sick. It was like a cool highlight. Seemed pretty emotional after the fight that it was a big performance for him. I mean, he was coming off two straight losses. So, yeah, 
Good for Bruno Silva. Main event time. Sergey Pavlovich knocks out Curtis Blades in three minutes. Okay. Let's start with Sergey Pavlovich. This guy has six knockouts in a row, six first-round knockouts in a row. That is the second longest streak in terms of knockouts in UFC history. I believe Chuck Lindell's first seven. He's a scary motherfucker. His power, his chin, he took some big shots this fight and just it did not phase him. He is built on he's he's made of steel or some shit. I don't know. He's a fucking animal. Scared for anybody. And I think if you put him in there with John Jones, you never fucking know. You never fucking know. I he could be quite literally quite literally anybody. And I think the Pavlovich and Ganyu fight is a fight that we, you know. Imagine if Ngani was still champ and you got this guy Pavlovich coming up to fight Ngani. That'd be so electric. But anyway, Pavlovich, his hand speed, his, his overall stand-up game, his takedown defense, the one takedown blade shot was did not come close. Pavlovich looked perfect. He looked great. No, I mean, he's, a, he's the number one contender, hands down, six straight first-round knockouts since his UFC debut where he lost to Alistair Overeem. And his last three wins, Derek Lewis, Tai Tuivasa, Curtis Blades, those are three guys that in the past year have been ranked in the top five. So give him the next title shot. Give him the winner of Stipe Jones. After him winning, I think it really hammers home that Stipe shouldn't be getting a title shot. Stipe last fought in April of 2021, and he lost. And we're giving him a title shot? I don't know. I think that's worse than Colby, honestly. Worse than Colby getting a title shot at this point. Say you want about that, but Stipe, you know, best heavyweight of all time. Um, But, I mean, you got to be active. I'm sorry, I'm getting off the rails here, but Stipe, since August, so he fought August of 2020, beat DC, and then he fought March of 2021. He hasn't fought in over two years. In over two years. Oh, that's crazy to me. Um, another crazy stat about Stipe is that since January 2018, he's fought two guys. Ngannou and... Anyway, we're getting really off the rails here. Holy shit. Okay. Um, look at these heavyweight rankings real quick. Because I, I want to give Pavlovich his props. Um, Curtis Blades, number four. Tuivasa, number six. Lewis, number 11. I mean, Lewis has dropped a lot. But, I mean, those are three top 15 guys. Um, he's he, he, he should get the next title shot. That's that, That's it. Curtis Blades, we talked about this on the podcast, and I sprinkled Blades, but I didn't really go heavy on this fight because I really was super torn. This fight moved to a pick right before it started. And my whole thing was like, I think Blades could win this. He has the tools to win this fight pretty convincingly with his takedowns. Saw Pavlovich, how he struggled with takedowns against Overeem in his opening fight in the UFC. But as of recently with Blades, 
we saw this mostly in the Dawkins fight, but he has kind of fallen in love with his stand-up game. And his stand-up game isn't bad. It really isn't. It's a little underrated, in my opinion. But I was worried that his pride was going to get the best of him in terms of him standing for too long with Pavlovich, and that came to fruition. I mean, he decided to stand and trade with Sergei Pavlovich for almost the entire fight. He uh, tried one takedown. It didn't even come close. And kept standing and trading with him. And eventually Pavlovich, I mean, it wasn't anything crazy. Like a bit, it, it was just a flurry of punches, knocked Chris Curt- or Curtis Blades down, landed a few shots of ground and pound, and it was over. It wasn't anything too violent, but it's just, this, that's just that's just that's what happens when you stand with Pavlovich for too long. You just can't do it. And Curtis Blades, terrible fight IQ, just stood with him the whole time. And his stand-up game is good. It is good. He's knocked out many guys on the feet. Not many, but you know, Junior Dos Santos, uh, Chris Dacus. But I mean. Curtis Blades, this is for a title shot, man. Get your win and get your shot the belt. And I, I hate to say, it, but this, I think this is Curtis. This was Curtis Blades' last shot at his fucking title. He's never. I don't think he'll ever fight for a title. He has always lost in the worst possible spots. If he beat Derek Lewis, he would have been next. Derek Lewis fought for the belt after that fight. Um, he lost to Ngannou twice. The, f- the second time was when he was on the cusp of another title shot too. So. He's always lost the worst times. He landed some good shots on Pavlovich. Pavlovich literally just took him and kept walking forward. Pavlovich's chin got tested in this fight, and it held heavy. Yeah, Curtis Blades. Don't know what's next for him at this point, because I really think that his title aspirations are probably coming to a close. I mean, tied to Ivasa, maybe. Speedback, that'd be an interesting fight. Speedback and Curtis Blades, but yeah, man, it's it feels bad. It feels bad, but you know, Sergey Pavlovich is your number one contender right now. Um, and overall, not not a bet, not the best card, honestly. Again, five knockouts, rest for decisions, no submissions. But uh, next week, we got another fight night with Song Yadong and Ricky Simone. And it's a, it's, a, it's got some names. Juliana Rosa. Um, Jay Collier. <laughs> this one's actually kind of funny, too. Charles Johnson's back. Anyway, uh, Slimmy will get back with you guys or later this week with it with a preview. And, yeah, that was your recap. Box off UFC. Peace. up gang slimmy we're back uh you just heard the recap of the blades pavlovich and now i'm going to talk about some dong man versus ricky simone dylan is in georgia selling lumber so and i was uh i was at a wedding last weekend so we weren't able to coordinate on the times i didn't see any of the Card, so it was nice hearing what they had to say about it. Doesn't sound like I missed much other than really Pavlovich. 
Uh, but let, let's get into this fight night real quick. Another one back-to-back weeks of just some mid some mid cards. But, you know, this happens every now and then. There's a little bit of lulls here and there. We got another pay-per-view next week. So that will make up for it. Um, but, yeah, here we go. I got a couple picks, but nothing too crazy here. Let's, let's get into this first fight. We've got... Well, first of all, before I even... Before I even get into it, we had a bunch of fights canceled from this card. So originally it's gonna be Saryukian versus Moicano as your main event. Moicano had to pull out, injured his knee, um, had surgery, I'm pretty sure. So we'll be back for a while. So that's one fight. The second fight that we had uh got rescheduled was Emily Ducote versus Pollyanna Viana. Josh Quinlan and Ange Lusa were supposed to fight. Quinlan's still on the card. Lusa, Lusa had to pull out. Brian Keller versus Journey Newsom just got canceled today. Uh, Journey Newsom has a new opponent, though. As we'll get into that. Chelsea Chandler was supposed to fight Danielle Wolf. Wolf withdrew. And then Natan Levy was supposed to fight Piotr. So that's like six fights that have gotten tossed from this card. So we only have 11. Which sucks. And what if I'm gonna get these shitty fight night cards, I want there to be 15 fights. That might sound like a sicko thing, but if we're gonna have these type of cards, like I want as many of these bad fights on them as possible so we can save the good ones for pay-per-views and other fight night events and such. But we're at the apex again. I don't know. I was saying I was getting tired of the Apex, but I also appreciate the low stakes aspect of it at times. Um, you know, watching this card, I'm not expecting big things, but it's it's kind of again intimate, low low stakes, more of a like I don't know. I'm trying to find good things to say about the Apex, but it's just been a while since I've watched one. It's cozy. I don't know. It feels like home since for the last couple of years. So we're back there. But anyway, first fight, women's bandweight. Haley Cowan making her debut. She was supposed to fight, I believe it was on the San Antonio card. And uh got canceled. So now she's fighting new opponent. And that opponent is Jamie Lynn Horth. Okay, and she's Canadian. We know how I feel about Canadians. Uh she's five and oh only. Um, all finishes though, but uh, her latest came in LFA. Other than that, she hasn't fought in fifteen months or so. Bridger was really talking her up. Um, I don't know what it was that he saw, but oh, it looks like she has two amateur wins over Lupi Godinez. Both decisions. So there you go. But I don't know. Two women's bantamweights making their debut. The odds are close-ish. Uh, Cowan is an underdog. Not by much though. <sighs> Fade Canada is really the only principle I have here. So if I had to make a pick here, I'm going to go with Cowan. Plus those odds, I don't hate you. I'm going to pull up the odds right now just to double-check everything. But, yeah, I mean, when I got Bridger uh, sending me 
random hype messages about uh, the first fight of the night, the women's bantamweight uh, Debbie's on. I can't like trust that at all. Sorry, Bridger, but I will not get excited for Jamie Lynn Horth. Don't get me wrong. If something cool happens in this fight, I'll be all in on it. But give me Haley Cowan at what we got. Points, bro. Oh, they got points spread on here. Okay. Plus 120. Haley Cowan. Give me that. We'll take it. Moving on. This was the one that uh got changed around. Brian Kelleher was supposed to fight Jerry Newsom. Keller gets hurt. Newsom is now fighting Marcus McGee. Got nothing for you. Um This my McGee knocks people out, which I appreciate. That's okay. All of his wins are by knockout. He's six and one. All wins by knockout. And he got choked out in his one loss. Let's take a look at Newsom. Oh, he fought last May. Oh yeah, that's right. He he took an L to Sergey Morozov, which. Will happen. Beat Fernie Garcia, like I said, back in May. Got knocked out in 40 seconds by Randy Costa. That's tough. Give me the under here. I know there's no odds yet, but I'm guessing this under two and a half might not be a bad price. So I don't I don't hate that. Talking about that underlay for, for Con Weezy. All right, Stephanie Egger is back. Another women's bantamweight fight. Boy, this is a hot start to a, a card. We got two women's bantamweight fights. Unranked women's, or Egger might be ranked, but three debuting women's bantamweights. Stephanie Egger. And then Journey Newsom versus a dude coming in on three days notice named Marcus McGee. This might be the the worst collection of six fighters to ever start a UFC card. And I truly believe that. In fact, these prelims, there's only one good fight, really. Two, maybe two. No, one. Anyway, Edgar and Irina Alexeva. Um, Edgar's minus 300. Edgar inside distance is plus 140. I don't hate that. But on the other hand, we have a trend of big women's dogs winning so far this year. Plus 250 for Alexiva. I don't know. I saw a video of her. She's taking like her pictures or whatever for the broadcast. And she was like dancing. And I got a very cringy vibe from her. So she might be terrible. And we, we know Edgar is fine. You know, she's not nothing crazy, but she's she's fine. Let me she beat Aline Perez. Yes, correct. Just making sure. All right. It's been a while since she fought. Yeah, give me Edgar. It's not a bad parlay piece at minus 300. I, again, 
be cautious though if i had to say anything about that fight but here we go let's move on to the flyweights this is a fight that i'm actually intrigued by so we have cody durden charles johnson okay I will start by saying that Charles Johnson is boxed up. We've said it before. He looks like he could be the best fighter on the planet when he's when he's in the octagon. He has the look, which is important. But this is his third fight of the year already. And before that, he fought in November. So he fought in November, January, February, took March off. But now he's back in April. And he was on a little two-fight win streak, lost his split decision to Ode Osborne, what was a really good fight. And I'm biased towards Ode, but he he I thought he won, but it was super close. Super close. Um, but Johnson, like he lost to Makayev in his debut, but he this is Algus. He won by split, lost by split to Ode. I mean Split decisions, he's 50-50. I'm fine with that. Both those fights, though, uh, I think he he's had like a bunch of low blows and eye pokes. Like That happens a lot in his fights. Knocks Jimmy Flick pretty easily in the first. But I feel like he's kind of looks better as he's continues to fight. Like his O'Day fight was probably his best performance, even though he lost. So I kind of see the vision on him. I mean, I've seen the vision on him. But, um, yeah, I mean, Cody Durden, though, at a at dog value, plus 120, I could very well see Cody Durden just taking Charles Johnson down relentlessly, relentlessly, which is worrying to me because my pick here is Charles Johnson. I'm going with Johnson. Um, I think he's more skilled and more athletic. I don't think he's stronger than Durden. But let's see. They both face Makayev, okay? And Makayev immediately – it took a minute for Makayev to finish Durden. Uh, Charles Johnson lasted the whole time against Makayev. Does that mean anything? Not really. Um. Then he knocked out JP Bays in the like a minute. Didn't take long at all. And they also have they have I think two more like recent opponents shared. Jimmy Flick, okay. Charles Johnson knocked out Jimmy Flick in a minute. Cody Durden, on the other hand, lost via flying triangle to Jimmy Flick. Um, about two years ago. So that's, I would say, in those two matchups, Johnson has the edge. He didn't get finished by Makayev. Durden did. He finished Jimmy Flick in the first round. Meanwhile, Durden got finished by Jimmy Flick in the first round. And lastly, Durden's last opponent, so he was supposed to fight Clayton Rodriguez. And if he fought Clayton Rodriguez, he would have lost. I'll tell you that right now. I know Rodriguez lost to Vergara last year, um, but the way he looked in his most recent fight where he got like a minute-long knockout, that dude is pretty good. 
But that fight got canceled, so he had to face Carlos Mota on short notice. And he won a decision, wrestled a lot. Um, got the decision. Meanwhile, Charles Johnson faced Carlos Mota and got knocked out in the fifth round of a championship fight. And that's how Charles Johnson got his LFA. So there's three recent common opponents, and Johnson has done better in all three of those fights. He's going to be better on the feet. He mixes it up way better on the feet, in my opinion. The only thing that worries me is if Cody Dern decides to shoot takedowns relentlessly and hold Charles Johnson down. Um, I think if Cody decides to try and trade with Johnson, he's going to get pieced up. So look for look for Johnson knees. Look for look for Johnson uh, body kicks. Is my um, piece of advice. So yeah, Johnson at minus one forty. That's my pick. This might be you know looking at this entire card. This might be the third, uh, like my fight. If I had to rank these fights, this might be number three: Cody Dern and Charles Johnson. That's how fucking bad this card is. I mean, obviously, I'd put Dong and Simon number one, and then I'd probably put Julian Arosa number two, just because it's Julian Arosa. Um, let's move on though. Last prelim, we got some slop heavyweights. Fun thing is though, these slop heavyweights are at a pick them, pick them odd. So we got Martin Boudet. Who last fought Lucas Breski? I think that was on the San Diego card, if I remember correctly. Won a split. Um, he he did pretty well. I don't think it should have been a split. That was a kind of a crazy fight. A lot of volume from two heavyweights. He's taken on none other than Jake Collier, former welterweight, now fighting at two sixty five. Um. He's tricky. Jake Collier is tricky. Let's just go through his record real quick because this is boxed up. Since 2020, he is 2-4 and four in the UFC. Those two wins are a decision over Jean Vellante, who we saw Chris Barnett hit his spinning wheel kick on, and he choked out Chase Sherman. After he choked out Chase Sherman, he lost a split to Arlovsky that I thought he won. And then he got ground and pound TKO'd by Chris Barnett after doing a lot of damage on him. So like in those his last three fights, like he's had he should be two and one, in my opinion. Like he's had moments where he's looked competent. I say that with an asterisk saying that as competent as an unranked heavyweight can get. Um, then he also lost it, lost a split to Carlos Felipe, which is kind of a bad loss, and then um, got knocked out by Aspinall, which makes sense. Jose Collier. Good luck to anyone who decides to bet on this. Um, Boudet also has a win over Chris Barnett. If that was it was a weird. I'm going with Boudet. I'm okay. Uh, looking at, I was unsure about this, but looking at Collier's page, I cannot trust that guy to win a fight for me. So if I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick Boudet. I have to pick him. Fuck it. Moving on. 
Josh Quinlan, Trey Waters. Quinlan had a sick knockout of Jason Witt in August, which was his debut. Trey Waters, on the other hand, is making his debut. And he is from LFA, lost to Bonfim on the Contender Series, which is fine. It was in the first round, got finished. Bonfim, both Bonfims showed us that they belong. Let me see some odds on this. Um, Not seeing any. Oh, I'm guessing Quinlan is going to be a favorite. Can't tell you what's going to happen, though. I don't know. I guess I'll pick Quinlan. I will see what happens. He looked pretty good when he knocked out Wit, but no, he made it look easy. So I'm just going to leave it at that. All right, moving on. Boxed up. Fight of the night, potentially. Close, close call, but we got we got two two heavyweight bangers in here, okay? None other than Marcos Rogerio de Lima and Waldo Cortez Acosta. The odds on this. Waldo is plus 160. Marcos Rogerio is minus 190. Easy pick. Marcos Rogerio de Lima is going to finish Waldo. I'm pretty confident in that. He steamrolled Arlovsky last time out. Lost a tough fight to Blagoy. Um, before that, the knocked out Ben Rothwell beat Mo Green. I'm not saying he's great. That is definitely not what I'm saying. But I just think Waldo is not very good. I mean, he's his wins are over Chase Sherman, Jared Vandera. I, he struggled with Vandera. That's all I'm going to say. And he couldn't finish Chase Sherman. That's all I'm going to say. Waldo's going to lose. Put Marcos minus 190 in your parlays. All right, next up. This is a tough one for me because we have two principles of mine clashing with each other. The first principle is always back Julian Rosa. Always back Julian Rosa. He's minus 130. Take it on Fernando Padilla. Plus 110. Principle here is he's Mexican. There's a clash there. I don't know. This is his debut in the UFC. Trying to see if he's fought anyone of note. He lost to Dan Ige once upon a time. And that's pretty much it. Lost to Spark Spike Carlisle. Okay, so basically what you got to figure out here is do you think Julian Rosa is going to do the Julian Rosa thing? Because he, I mean, he got starched by Caceres last time out, which, again, it's a very, very Julian Rosa type thing to do. Before that, he looked amazing against Dewadu, won a unanimous, won a split in a what was a war against Steven Peterson. After what we saw from Steven Peterson last time out, maybe that wasn't such a good uh good thing that he was in such a fight with him. 
after before that, um, Darce chokes Charles Jordan. Then he got knocked again by Sung Woo Choi. Knocked out Nate Landwehr. Knocked out Sean Woodson. And yeah. Five and two in this little stretch. I'm on him though. Give me Juicy J, man. I love Juicy J. Kind of want to give him the boxed up bump, honestly. Now that I'm really thinking about it. But again, pity is an unknown. I'm betting with what I know. That's bit me in the ass before. But I'm not I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Juicy J, he's either gonna look like the best fighter on he's like Charles Johnson. Actually, like he's he's featherweight Charles Johnson. He looks like at times he's the best fighter on the whole entire card. Or like, you know, he might just get finished. You never know. But yeah, give me Juicy J there. Next up, this is sloppy. Cody Brundage and Adolfo Vieira. I mean, I don't think Cody Brundage is good at all. Beat Dolce and Treshawn Gore. Finished him. Vieira lost to Chris Curtis last time. Give me Vieira sub. Vieira sub. I don't think Cody Brunch is good at all. Fear is like a minus 200-something favorite. So that's all I got to say about that. Cody Brunch sucks. Moving on. Kyle Bohio versus Mikhail Oleksijic. Kyle Bohio versus Mikhail Oleksijic. Pulls power. Hold on, let me find a line on this. Uh, okay, yeah, Vieira minus two thirty. Yep, I like that. All right, Kyle is minus three forty five. Polish power is plus two eighty five. Do I really even have to say why I'm picking Polish power Olkshajic? He is actually the definition of Polish power. Dude packs a punch, can get a knockout. I feel like the Kyle hype train. Is gonna get derailed soon. I don't. I don't know, man. Like it might not be this fight, but he's got three decision wins in the UFC. I. To be fair, they're over pretty good opponents. I gotta say, so I get why he's favored by so much, but has he ever felt the legendary Polish power? I don't think so. Next up. I'm going to keep this real short. Main event, Ricky Simone versus Song Yudong. Odds are even. Simone's a slight, slight favorite. Dong's at plus 100 right now. Simone, minus 120. I'm glad this is a five-round fight. Definitely deserves five rounds. And, I mean, who's going to outlast who? Both these guys are elite bandweights. They're well-rounded. I like both of them. The odds are to pick them. Like, it's really just, you can't go wrong if you're going to pick a side on this one. I'm really just excited to watch this fight. I don't have a strong take about it, because like I said, flip a coin. Like, literally, if these guys could fight 10 times, it'd be probably go 5-5. Five, five. Um, I'm going to pick the dong, man. 
because I'm true to my boxed up nature. Okay. I would like to see him uh, succeed. I've been ever since um like before the Marlon fight. I don't I don't remember who he fought before Marlon Marais, but before then I was on the dong man, staying true to that, picking my guy, sticking with him. And I'm going to cut this shit off pretty soon, but I just want to throw throw boxed up shout outs to some guys. Charles Johnson, boxed up shout out. Jake Collier, boxed up shout out. Waldo, even though I think you're trash, boxed up for sure. That's a shout out. Juicy J. Rosa, shout out. Kyle of Ohio, shout out. Mikhail Oreshejic, Polish Power, shout out. Dongman, shout out. Gonna be a box up card. Definitely gonna watch all of it. Gonna drink the beers. Gonna be good. Some unders that I like here. Quinlan Waters is a good one. Newsom McGee, depending on if it's two and a half, I think for sure. Brundage Vieira, under. And I don't know what the dog man one is, but I can see a finish happening there. Those are really it. I don't know. Not very strong on those, but that's for Dylan specifically. All right, box up UFC. Hopefully this records correctly. Next week we'll be back with the pay-per-view gang breaking down Aljo Sahudo. This is Slimmy. Catch you all next week. Box up UFC.